Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, are you guys ready for the Word of God today? It's going to be a great day. Hey, but before we jump into the Word of God, we have some exciting news to share with you today. We got some things moving around within the church, and I actually want to bring up two amazing couples, uh, the Lees and the Kirkles. If you guys could come to the stage. I'm actually going to invite my wife up here today, too. Um, we got some news to share with you today about uh, some of the changes that are happening. So effective last week, and this is your first Sunday today, um, the Kirkles, Tyler and Jordan, are our new student ministries pastors here at My City Church. And in addition to that, the Lees, Danny and Hannah, and they got a little girl, London. She's a year, and she's almost a year. She's a year old. Uh, They are going to be our new creative pastors here at My City Church. want to say a few things. Uh, This is long overdue. You guys have poured your heart and soul into this church, and I feel like this is what God is saying, is that four years ago, I don't know if you would have seen yourself in this position right here, right now, but it's weird how God works. I just want to say stay faithful to Him, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll make your path straight. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I want to take a moment. I want to pray over these two amazing couples. I'm going to invite the pastoral team to come up. Later tonight, we are actually going to commission them. But for right now, we're going to pray over them. But tonight at All all In Prayer Night, that's going to be 5 o'clock here, we're going to take an extended time, and we're actually going to commission these two amazing couples into all that God has for them here at My City and beyond. So as a church, would you extend your hand this morning? as we pray over the Kirkles and the Lees. God, I thank you for your purposes in their lives. God, I pray that you would go before them. Go before them spiritually, God. Go before them in their finances. Go before them, God, even in their their homes, God, in their families, that you would protect them, protect their marriage, God, protect their love for you, their love for one another, God. Even protect their families, their current family and their future family. God, I pray that you would go before them. God, I pray that you would give them creative insight, God, on how to best to best fulfill the role here at my city, God, to create a great creative atmosphere where people can encounter you, God, to create the next generation of students, God, in the ministry that you have upon the Kirkles, God, that you would have students that would surround them, that they would lift their shoulders, God. We thank you for your purposes and how you are moving in this city and you are moving in this church, God, and I thank you that the best is yet to come in their lives and here in the people at my city church, God. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Put your hands together one more time. Uh, It's going to be a good day at church today. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. I got, we had a great week last week. Who all was here last week? 
That was a great week. Just to recap, our first week of the church I see, we were talking about, I cannot help but speak about what I have seen and I have heard. I can't help but, see, but say about it. Man, I've encountered God, and I want to proclaim it to the world. But we also talked about my life and where my life was changed. And the church I see is a church that's generational. My life was changed as a youth. And I want to be a type of church that is bringing up the next generation of leaders, not just in the youth, but also in the kids, seeds that are planted in our kids' ministry that are later reaped to produce a harvest in this city, un unseen like ever before, but also our youth. If, if we forsake our youth, then we're just a few years away from losing this church because in two years, some of them a year, some of them a few months, they're going to be here in this church. So if we're the type of people that says, well, that's the youth, that's the youth thing over there. No, that's the church. That's the church coming together because in just a little bit, they are the church. In fact, they are the church right now. And it would behoove us to forsake the generation after us for the sake of what we're experiencing today. Because I want to see a move of God in this city, and I know it's going to start. It's going to start in us, but it's also going to continue in them. And I don't want something that's here today and gone tomorrow, but I want something that is generational. That is a church that I see. We talked about also that I, I see a church that sees them. I see a church that sees them. Now, we talked about that Brandon Heath song, you know, give me your eyes for just one second. Do you see what God sees? I see a church that sees them. I said, you exist for two reasons, to glorify him and to reach them. That's what we're called here to do as a church. And the title of the message was called Back to the Roots. Back to the Roots. I felt like it was important as a church that we go back and we remember what God did in me before I let that. God wants to use that to reach others as well. Remember that. And today I feel like God is wanting to speak to his church along this idea, this thought is when opportunity knocks. When opportunity knocks. You guys ever had an opportunity knock that you regret not taking? Uh, there's several ones, man, that I regret not taking, whether it be business opportunities, whether it be relational opportunities, friends, conversations I've been able to have. You know, but what I found is that God sometimes brings those back again and gives you a second shot. That there's never just one chance, oh, I missed out on that. God's pretty faithful in that if you miss God, tell you what, he's going to bring it back around again and give you another chance. It may be five years, it may be 10 years. I pray that I always say yes to God and that when he knocks on my heart, that I say yes and amen right away. But I love what we just did here in, in speaking about the Lees and the Kirkles and what God is doing in their life. Tell you what, as a church, the church that I see is a church that is always raising up the next generation of leaders. We're going to continue to raise up the next generation of leaders because I believe in a church that shouldn't just be carried by one person. I don't think, I think that limits the effectiveness of the church. If it's just me doing everything, I believe that it limits not only what I can do, but it limits the impact that can be had on you and the impact that you can give to others. Because I'm just one person. I'm just one person. We believe that we are going to be church that raises up the next generation of leaders. But what does that look like? How do we raise up the next generation of leaders? What I found is that in the church is that I can do a lot. But to take care of all 270 people here in this room, I could probably do it 
If I set my mind to it, I could probably get uh, lunch with you sometime next year. Sometime next year. Who's up for next week? Who's up for the week after that? What I found is that if a church that bases the ministry off the guy that has the mic is a church that's effective only to that person. So when we're talking about raising up the next generation of leaders, it's important to understand your current role. And it's important to understand that you are in the correct role. Because as a person that's in the correct role, that can help them be most effective. What is your role here within my city church? What is your role here in the house of God? Can I tell you that your unique contribution to this church is what makes the church function to its fullest abilities? Your unique contribution to this house, your unique contribution to this city is what makes the church function to its fullest capabilities. And what I see as a church is that we're, we're always looking to have someone else do something for us. But what if we actually took that verse to heart that he who seeks to find his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will actually find it. It doesn't really make sense to our mental ability that if I lay my life down, I'll actually find it. And what I see within church, last week we talked a lot about expectation and that experiences shape us, but our expectation forms us. And I felt the Holy Spirit wasn't, the Holy Spirit wasn't really letting off this idea of expectation. Let me ask you today, what kind of expectation do you have for God to use you? And are you open to a revision to that expectation? What does it mean for God to exceed our expectations? What I find is that when opportunity knocks, we tend to look for opportunity, and we tend to discredit anything that does not look like that opportunity. But how can God exceed your expectation if what you were expecting was an opportunity that you were not expecting? Let me say that because I completely screwed it up. (laughs) Thank you for your sympathy laugh. Your expectation, God wants to exceed your expectation. But if we're looking for what is in front of us, how can God exceed our expectation if the moment he brings something our ways, we immediately discredit it as not being God because it doesn't look like what we were expecting? So if I'm expecting a certain thing, I'm always looking for that opportunity. But what if God's purpose and his fulfillment actually comes from a different avenue? That we never expected our purpose. We looked at the glamour of our purpose. We looked at the palace. But what if our purpose was actually came in a package, and that package was delivered, and it came in a square box? And you say, no, 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 no. I ordered a big, long box. This is not the package that I ordered, so I'm going to send it back to Amazon because I did not expect a square box box, I expect a long box because we did not expect our purpose to be packaged in something that did not look like purpose, but it was actually pain. Why does James said, consider it joy when you encounter various trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your face produces perseverance? So the package that I received was something that was actually made to produce perseverance in me to support what God has called me to. The very thing that I am avoiding is the very thing that God is sending my way to shape me for what he has for me. So we as a church, we tend to avoid anything that looks like pain. We tend to avoid anything that makes us uncomfortable because we're just looking for the good old life. But what I found the most is that God actually shapes you 
God actually shapes you through things that you were not expecting. We're all about the purpose, but what I find is that leaders, sometimes we have to be willing to do things that most people are not willing to do. Sometimes in this church, you know, we think, well, purpose looks like the guy holding the mic. You know what I found out? Is purpose was the guy that set up the chairs. Purpose was the guy that picked up the broom. Purpose was the person that served the coffee. I want to be able to crush that idea that I'm the guy that has everything that everyone needs to hear. I'm just a guy just like you. I was in construction for 15 years. I, you know, I, I, I went to high school. Most of us went to high school in here. You know, I went to high school. Uh, I played baseball. I could tell you a little bit unique things about my story. Lived in an apartment. We got married, moved in an apartment, you know, because we couldn't afford a house. So that's pretty similar. What I found the difference that separates, what separates the person that, that we, what we do is we get so caught up in the glamour of a thing that we miss what God is doing in our lives right here, right now. And we're not open for what God has for us because we are looking for what we have for us. And we end up missing what God has for us because we were not expecting it. We were looking for something else. Understand that as a church, it's, it's, about, it's about being available. It's not about what you can do. It's not about, it's not about this, this unique thing that I want to bring. Yeah, it's good. But what I found is that God shapes that unique thing in your availability. Are you available today? Are you just looking for an ability, something to do? Or is it saying, God, whatever you need? Whatever you need. And I want to share from you some great, great stories. Who brought their Bible today? If you brought your Bible, wave it up in the air like you just don't care. My Bible's in the back there, I think. No, my Bible's actually right there. Uh, we're going to be opening up to Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. How fitting of a, of a passage to read today than when we, when we bring up the Kirkles and the Lees and we pray over them today. We're going to be talking about the choosing of the seven shortly after Pentecost. Uh, but it's Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, in those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. Not in the church. Not in the church. We don't do that here, right? No, we don't do that here at all. Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. We'll stop right there for a second. So what you have in the context of this is you have the church is growing. It's expanding. There's some 3,000 plus members in the church. It's a pretty big church, especially for that time period. And what you have is there's two classes that are, that are complaining against each other. You have the Hebraic Jews, and then you have the Greek Jews, the Grecian Jews. One spoke Hebrew. The other one spoke Greek. And so there's a little bit of already a culture change with, amongst the group already, but they're still coming together. And meeting together as a church. And what you found is that they were complaining about one another. One was getting overlooked in the distribution of food. Can I tell you that you will always find a problem in church. Because church is full of people and people are not perfect. So if you're going around and you're looking for a church that doesn't have any problems, you're going to keep on looking. Because every church, this was the church... The apostles were the leaders of this church, and they still had problems. They still, but do you catch? The complaint didn't go to one another. It went to the people that could do something about it. 
They weren't just going back, I can't believe this is like that. I can't believe this is like that. They went to the people that could do something about it. Can I tell you, within church, we will have conflict. We will have problems. But we got to be the type of people that gets above those problems. That we are united in Jesus above more than any preference, more than anything else. We are united in Jesus and his calling. As a church, don't let the little things derail you for the destiny that God has for you. Don't let that happen. So we keep going. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. It says, so the 12, these are the 12. They already had Barnabas added on to uh, the 12. Um, so the 12 gathered all the disciples. Not, not Barnabas. It was Matthias, wasn't it? Matthias it was. I misspoke. So the 12, isn't that funny? I'm reading and I'm hearing it in my head. You're wrong, Eli. It's just bringing to my world a little bit. Pray for me. <laughs> So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. They gathered the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Because what I find in this verse is that they were already waiting on tables they would actually receive the tithe. They would actually receive it. So you had the 12. Now, if we were in the old days, we would think, hey, John, Peter, James, don't worry about that. Let, let me do whatever I can do so that you guys can do what you need to do. But what I find in the early churches, it wasn't like that. They were actually the ones when they would sell property, they would give it to Peter and they laid at his feet. Well, couldn't we have someone else do that so they could do the ministry of the word? So what I find is that they brought this complaint to the apostles. They brought it to the apostles, and the apostles are like, hey, we're taking on a lot right now, and it wouldn't be right for us to step into a role that is not in our gifting. We see the need. Notice how they didn't discredit the need. They didn't overlook the need. They didn't say, well, you should just be glad to get some food. They didn't do that. They actually listened, but they're like, you know what? I don't think I'm the right person to solve this problem. We need to find someone else that we can do this with that can help carry the load. That makes us the most effective people that we can be because this is what we've been gifted to do, the ministry of the word of God, but to wait on tables. And now we look at that word wait on tables and we kind of put a negative connotation to it. We're like, ah, wait on tables. We think of like a, a server or anything like that, which is still good. It's a level of serving. But that word wait on tables is actually where the word is in the Greek. It's where we get the word deacon from. But we belittle that and we look at wait on tables as more of like a lesser thing. Can I tell you in the kingdom of God, there's not greater, there's not lesser. It's about gifting. What are you gifted in? What is that unique thing that God has put on your life to build his church? Do not forsake that thing that God has given you or discredit it because it's weight on tables. There's nothing special about me with this mic. There's nothing special about it. They're saying, what good would it? This is, I just know what I'm good at. I know what I'm good at. It wouldn't be good for me to forsake what I'm good at to do something that I'm not good at. Let's continue. Acts 6, 3, verse 4 through 4. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So what they're doing is they're going amongst, hey, who do you guys think would be good at this? 
But who do you guys think would be good to help carry the load, to help make us the most impactful church that we can be? Who do you think would be good at this? So they go amongst each other, and then they pick, uh, let's go to the next verse. Oh, I, I might have missed one here. It was uh, six. Oh, maybe it is here. My bad. I screwed up on that one. So they just, <laughs> we'll have to fix that for the next service. I apologize. The next verse talks about them choosing of the seven. They choose Stephen, who is full of the Holy Spirit. They choose, they choose Philip. They choose five others. And these are seven people that were equipped to be the minister of the word, to be able to wait on tables. Five common people were set to wait on tables. And what we find is that as people get into their correct role within the church, we find this result. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Can I tell you, there's power in us being in our correct roles here at the church. There is power in you saying yes to whatever God has for you. We cannot be the church that is always looking for this abstract idea of perfection that we miss what God is doing us right here, right now. What I find is that we can get so caught up in what God is going to do in my life one day that we end up forsaking the season that we are in right now. What is that? What is that? The season that I'm in right now, well, it's just to get me where I want to be. Does that even make sense? You have one life. You have one life to give. So this thing, this thing is forming you, but if you're too busy, caught up in what God has for you, you miss what he is doing in you to prepare you for what he has for you, and then you'll never be able to support what, you have for, what he has for you because you, you forsake the season you're in right now. You have one life. What is God asking you to do right now, today, that prepares you for what he has tomorrow? What I find is that God gives us a glimpse of our future. And we get so caught up in that future that we forsake the season that we're in and it never prepares us for what God has for us. I want to be the type of church that doesn't let things get in the way of our calling. As your pastor, I want to be able to help you walk in all that God has for you. Now, I don't know what God has for you in the future. I pray that I would just be a person that people can stand on my shoulders and they can walk in all that God has for them. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you just started coming to this church. I don't know if you've been coming here for a long time, but I would hate to see the day that we get to heaven and find out that we could have believed for more here on earth. I want to be the type of church that says, God, whatever you have for me right here, right now, God, I'm available for you. God, whatever you need from me, is there anything in your life that is off limits to God? Is there anything in your life? What I find is that if we get so, we get so consumed with things that, 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 that God has for us that we miss what he's doing in us, and then we end up missing the season that we're in, and it never prepares us for what he has for us. What I find is the devil can work his way into church, and he can end up destroying the church through four different ways, one of four different ways. This is how he targets the church. He tries to disperse it by force. We find this when uh, they get persecuted. That's why the book of James was written. He tries to disperse it by force. He tries to silence it. You know, don't speak of this Jesus whom you have heard. Well, we talked about that last week. I can't help but speak about what I've seen and heard. He tries to discredit us by hypocrisy. So we see this in Ananias and Sapphira. They sell this land and they give it to the church and then they lie and say, yeah, that's really everything. 
And I mean, what's the deal with that? Like, so they, they, they gave willingly to the church, but then they held, kept some back for themselves. Can I tell you that God wants all of you? He wants you to be honest. Even, you know what? There would have been nothing wrong with them saying, hey, we wanted to give 50% to the church and 50 more percent to ourselves. That would have been fine as long as we're honest. So he tries to discredit us by hypocrisy. And then the other one he wants to do is distract us by disputes. We can see this in the passage that we just read. He tries to distract us by disputes. And the other thing he tries to do is discourage us by our roles, the roles that we have. We try to think, well, I can't do that, or this is where I'm at. This is all I'll ever be. Can I tell you that the thing that God has put in your life is in there for a reason? Don't give up on that. Whether it be a type of ministry you've been wanting to do, a thing that God has been calling you to do, don't give up on that, but apply yourself to it. And sometimes applying yourself to it looks like something that doesn't look opportunity, like an opportunity, but it looks like a broom. That's basically all I'm saying today, is that what God is bringing to you, don't miss the opportunity because it looks like something that you weren't expecting. And so he tries to discourage us by our roles. And what I found is Albert Einstein said this. He said, if you teach a fish that he's supposed to walk on land, he will always live his life unfulfilled. But if you put it in water and you let it swim, it'll feel like it's living to its fullest potential. And what I want to be able to do is help you find your fullest potential. What is that God thing that God has put in your life that he has called you to? When did David get called? When did David get called from the backside of the mountain? He was taking care of the sheep, right? He wasn't with the brothers. He wasn't with the brothers. He was taking care of the sheep. And they said, no, 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 no. None of these ones. Where's that guy? Hey, you back there. Hey, come up here. Hey, I see you. Hey, I see you being faithful with what I asked you to do. Because I'm after a heart. I'm after a heart more than I am about a, a, a position. So come up here. When did Moses encounter the burning bush? He was taking care of the sheep in a burning bush. What I find is that we have a tendency as a church to look for burning bushes and forsake the sheep. And God is saying, I'm looking for people that'll care for the sheep. And if I can find someone that'll care for the sheep, that's the kind of person that I can trust with the people. So we cannot be a type of church that's always looking for prosperity and position that we forsake the season that we are in. When did Jesus call Peter? What was he doing? He fished all night and caught nothing. He wasn't successful. He didn't catch any. Well, Jesus will only call the successful people. He didn't catch anything. We fished all night, and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, if you say so, I'll do it. Nevertheless, if you say so, I'll do it. But I've done it before. Didn't see any result before. I wanted this. Never saw it come my way. I wanted that. Never saw it come my way. Nevertheless, God, we have to be the type of people that has a nevertheless attitude. God, whatever you ask of me, God, I want to be available for you. See, I see a church that sees them. I also see a church that is available. Are you available? Are you available? 
for God to use you? Are you available for what God is trying to do in you and through you for what he has for you? Don't get so caught up in what he has for you that you miss what he's trying to do in you and through you right here and right now. Are you available? Peter was available. He didn't know what it looked like. It was going to look like. David was available. Dude gets anointed with oil and then goes back and takes care of the sheep. Well, you don't understand. I'm supposed to be king. But what's in my hand right now that I'm called to be faithful to? Can I tell you, sometimes God gives you a glimpse of what he has for you. And he asks, are you still going to be faithful to what I gave you? Are you going to still be faithful to what I called you to? For those, all of them, it was all about availability. They were about the people, not the position. I remember when I jumped into a, a leadership college, it was, it was called a cadre. And uh, God, God told me, he said, Eli, go back through all your old journals. And I was reading through it, and every year I'd write a purpose. Why am I doing this? And I found every year it changed a little bit. And I found that I was doing, I was going through a really rough season, I could tell, because I was journaling almost every day what I was experiencing. And I remember reading, asking myself the question, why am I doing this? And I wrote on there, oh, so I can be a pastor one day. And I, I wrote on there, I kind of read what I feel like Holy Spirit is telling me. And I, Holy Spirit said, is that why you started? And then at, at that moment, I went back to all my old journals when I didn't want to do baseball and I did the Cadre Leadership College instead. I wrote in there, I'm doing this so I can help the people. I want to help the people. And then a few years later, I got it caught up with the position rather than the person. Uh, well, I'm doing this so I can be a, a pastor. No, 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 no. Don't get so caught up in what I have for you that you miss what I'm trying to do in you. So what am I asking you to do right here, right now? As a church, I find our tendency, our, our tendency is, to, is to go in and just be like, what does God have for me today? I pray that each and every day that I, I get up on this mic, that I, I speak to a word to you that can change your life. I pray that God gives me that word. And I felt like the word that God wanted, there was two words that God wanted me to give you today, is that you've lived your life and you have unqualified yourself for what he has for you. And he wants to tell you today that as long as I'm still in you and you're still here, I'm not done with you. So are you available? Don't unqualify yourself because he never did. There's no sin too, too bad, nothing too far. You haven't gone too far for him to use you. Just come home and say, God, I'm here. Because sometimes I find is that all those cracks in your life is just a way for that light to shine through even more. Well, I got all these cracks, God. How can you use it? I'm broken. <laughs> exactly. That's a testimony. And I want to use that testimony. The other group of people I want to speak to today is that you've been trying to plan out your whole life. And you've been trying to see what God is going to do. And you've been trying to make things happen out of your own strength and your own vigor.
And this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so as you're walking through life, you're trying to say, God, oh, I can see how God can use this. I can see this is where God's moving me here. And God's saying, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Can I tell you, I can do more in a day than what you can do in a lifetime. So delight yourself in me. Seek me and watch what I can do in and through you. I love JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, how about we looked at it as like, hey, I'm not serving God for what he can do for me. I'm serving him for who he is and for what he wants to do in and through me right here and right now. That's why I'm serving God. I'm not serving him for the thing that he is giving. I'm not going to get so in love with the gift that I miss the giver. I can't get so enthralled with the idea of something that I miss the person that is actually bringing it to me. And this is the church I see. I see a church just full of a bunch of people, a bunch of ordinary people. Ordinary people. I'm ordinary. If you think I'm special, you're missing it. I'm just a person that said, God, whatever you need. You know what that looked like? Looked like me encountering God in high school. It meant me saying yes to an internship. That doesn't mean you have to. It was me just being an ordinary person that was available for God to use. I was, that's what I was doing. I, I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was setting myself, God, whatever you need, because I died. So this is what I see. I see a bunch of ordinary people who are available for God to do the extraordinary through. That's you. The power of the presence and the Holy Spirit of God living in and through someone is remarkable. He can bring dry bones to life. What does that verse mean? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's saying, God, Eli died a long time ago. Now I'm living as a living sacrifice, pleasing to you, whatever you need. And so as a church, I'm asking you, are you available? So the church I see, I see a church where the lost to be saved and the saved to be discipled. I want to see people discipled. But what does it look like to be discipled? Well, we can figure all that out by reading our Bible. Because it says it in, in kind of Acts chapter 4, verse 2. It, it, it brings it up. It says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the, the gathering together, to the breaking of bread, the growing together, and to prayer. Th that's growing. We're growing together. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. That's their gifting. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They're gathering. They broke bread. They're growing. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. I want to ask you today, 
if you want to be available to God, are you available to God? Would you stand to your feet? I got one last point, and we're closing. I saw the early church, they, they came together all the time. They were gathering together all the time. They were breaking bread, they were praying, they were, they were giving of their, their resources, and they were using their gifting. That's the church that I see. I see a church, it's just those four Gs. And we'll look at what God did through them. They were gathering, they were growing, they were giving, and they were using their gifting. They were gathering together through Sunday services. They were growing together. What does that look like? That looks through groups. That's reading your Bible. That's praying. That's worshiping. That's how you grow. They were giving. They were giving of what they had. Some gave a lot. Some gave a little. But what is that? It's more about the heart. They were giving of their heart. They were giving of their resources with their heart. And then they were using their gifting. Are you available for God to use your gifting? This is what I see as being available here. Gather together, grow together, give together, and use your gifting together. And if you're in this place and you wanna be available for God to use you here at my city, I want you to raise up your hand. God, you see all these hands that are raised today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that your word says that you equip your people. God, so no matter what they're going through, no matter what they have, no matter what dysfunction they have, God, I thank you that you can break a broken thing and that you can make it whole. God, and I pray right now that you would use your church in a way that reaches this city. God, use your church in a way that reflects your heart. God, as you said back there in the book of Acts, God, what your people were doing, they were continuing to have fellowship together. They were breaking the bread together. They were praying together. God, they were using their gifting together. They were giving together. God, I pray that as your church, God, that we would model, that we wouldn't forget where we came from, God. And I pray that as we give ourselves available to you, and we're saying, God, here we are. I'm available, just an ordinary person. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Do that extraordinary thing through them, God. Do what only you can do, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, let's worship today. Let's worship this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.